also say a toe to so. You know what? A toe to so. A fucking a toe to so. Hello and welcome to this first ever history making. Uh, when I say live, I don't mean that you're hearing this as we say it. We are mm. far behind the protective curtain of several days, depending on when Milo gets to it. Yeah. And the, uh, I- the yeah. iron curtain of time. The iron curtain of time, yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes it, for us all. Impenetrable, unpassable. Uh, yeah, from, from behind mm. this iron curtain, like the great and powerful Oz, mm. it is Dan and Riley <laughs> uh, live together in the first room. Uh, in the first room ever made. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. We're we're here in uh, historic London. We're hanging out in the first ever room. It's got four walls and a ceiling yeah. and a door to get in and out of. And very appropriately for the Bottleman podcast, it was built by Albanians. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, yet we are in a classic Albanian room. If you're hearing some of <laughs> Albanian invent room, you are dog people. <laughs> if you're hearing something that Ever-Hosha sounds, invented the first room. It yeah. was a round little room with a single door to get in and out mm, of. That's and it, right. And yeah. it was to protect you against uh, uh, Russian and possibly Chinese bombs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, and these other voices you're hearing uh, could be the voices of our current and past producers. It's Milo mm. and Nate. How's hello. it going? Hello, it's hello. going very, very well. Thank Tell you us. for having us. This is the only ever canonical episode of The Bowman. The entire team brought together. Yeah, it's been assembled right. for this one job. Yeah. This one job of uh, having a few sakes at lunch mm. and then <laughs> remembering yeah. we have to do a podcast. That is true, yeah. Uh, having a quick coffee to combat the sake yeah. and then some ginger. T- I've, I've had like more beverages in the last two hours than uh more different kinds of beverages we are we are really mm. a beverage heavy organization i will mm. say we we like ourselves a hot yeah, drinks, we like a few beverages cold yeah, drinks yeah. hot drinks lukewarm <laughs> drinks room temperature drinks yeah it's kind of yeah. our thing if you come to well what is tfhq usually but which has had a like a graffiti tag painted over the little plaque outside the door that says trash future it mm. says Da Bottleman yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're gonna get. It's gonna be a beverage heavy experience. Um, Les hommes de bouteille. Yeah. No, but uh, uh, Dan. In London. That's right. Dan. Dan is here in in London, uh, primarily, I assume, to record a uh, semi improvised, uh, slightly last minute, uh, live quote unquote episode of the Bottleman. It might. You know, do you think you play a show while you're here? I don't think so. I mean, if I can squeeze one in, maybe. Yeah. Uh, if the legendary Coco were to make you an offer. <laughs> if the legendary Coco were to make me an offer, then maybe I would I would throw it to the band. I mean, look, but that's such an iconic venue. Like, you would, you'd you'd have to be in some kind of global super band to play at this famous venue. That's, tr- that's true. And that's I mean, right. I like I the could, Traveling Wilburys. It would be... <laughs> what's their deal? Uh, their deal is... They travel? <laughs> wait a minute. It's uh, Tom Petty. R.I.P. R.I.P. Roy Orbison. R.I.P. George Harrison. R.I.P. Willie Nelson wasn't in there too, was it? I don't think so. But Bob Dylan also. Also R.I.P. Jeff Lynne's still alive. I have a question. Well, Bob Dylan is no. So Jeff Lynne. Bob Dylan dead? I think so. Yeah. Jeff Lynne was the only one that's alive. Pretty sure. Did he? What? Why are the other ones dead? And he's still. Is there a tauntine? Jeff Lynne got an email. Because because if you write, don't bring me down, you get a special force field that protects you from aging. Yeah. And specifically 
combats the effects of being old and British, which means if you don't die young from substance abuse, you become really racist. Mm. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to... Oh, the Clapton effect. Yes, very mm. much so. I'm going to have to... Yeah, a very short window of opportunity to enjoy the Clapton effect. Uh, thank you. Mm. Uh, I'm going to... Although I, I will have to admit something. I uh-huh. thought the traveling Wilburys was like a Mumford and Sons situation. No, no, no. They were uh, arguably <laughs> and the Mumford and Sons situation. They were like a supergroup in the nineties, right? Yeah, they the, have like or late eighties, even yeah, like yeah. one of the first uh, indie rock supergroups. Mm. See, I learned something new every day. But Bob here. Dylan's alive, though, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, he's still alive. Well, so at the time, yeah, of the they that's kind of like the we Queen of be, England alive. Wikipedia. I mean, I don't know. When was the last time that was edited? Yeah, Bob yeah, Dylan, true. the Queen of England, and the original Avril Lavigne are all having a great time yeah. together. <laughs> I think that's Disinformatskaya yeah. from uh, <laughs> Big, <laughs> Big Dylan. You know? I love that Riley said that one time, and it's become such deep lore. Uh, what? Well, yeah, Lie Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the, lie, the metro station of disinformation, <laughs> yeah. where all the signs point in the wrong direction. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it was like when it's I was easy to get lost on dis- disinformatskaya. Well, yeah, that reminds yeah. me of when I was I was visiting you in Moscow, and I needed to return your flat key to where you were staying on it was on Victory Day on Victory Day, and um because as I was a sort of a, 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 a naive Victory Day, they have the parades with the tanks. Every street in Moscow is fucking closed. Well, it's like a, they it's won't. A, the police won't let you cross the road. Half the metro is closed. It's yeah. the parade that you, no one's allowed to watch as of 2014. <laughs> it's so it's well, so Russian. Yes, there is huge parade. You may not watch. It's not for the watch. <laughs> yeah, one year I tried to watch it, and then we were like somewhere where we were like trying to get a better view of it, and we went up to these riot cops who were there, and we were like, "Is there anywhere we can get a better view of the parade?" And he's like, "Smoothly." And we're like, well, we want to watch it. And he's like, it's not for the watch. <laughs> it's for, you want to watch television. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, but I remember I was trying to return your flat key to you. And mm. um, I was trying to leave for Skya. And I was just like, I was in such a hurry that I went to go up some stairs. And then I stopped moving. I looked down and there was a big hand across my chest. And then I looked up the arm. And I, I can read, I don't, I don't speak Russian by any stretch, but I do know what the Cyrillic word letters say. Mm. I looked up and I was like, on the arm was written Spetsnaz. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I have never backed up so quickly. <laughs> you backed that thing up. Yeah. Uh, and then I, 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 I twerked myself back onto the, onto the subway being like, well, I guess Milo's going to live wherever he is now. Look what he make that thing do. Uh, but no, this is <laughs> what was funny was I got right. I told Riley to give in my keys at the lost property at the train station, and I would go and get them. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, I went down to that train station, and I was like, "You might not have been you working here, but there was like a guy, a foreign guy, handed in some keys. He was like, oh, you're that fucking guy.' Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like immediately, like <laughs> most interesting thing that happened to him in yeah. years. Yeah, just some That's amazing, some confused, panicky foreign guy who's ten minutes mm. from missing his train to his to the last plane out. Take these yeah. keys. <laughs> You got to take these keys. They don't lead to anything. They were my mother's. <coughs> Just an apartment on uh, in Red Gates. That's um, right. So if you want to stalk Milo in the past, mm. in been, been behind the Moscow. Iron Curtain of the past, and also yeah, yeah. the actual Iron Curtain. <laughs> go to that yeah. train station. Yeah, go to mm. that train station. Ask for the guy. It's be like, hey, do you have that key uh, from mm. the foreigner? And then you can go to his apartment and wait for him there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, it's Bottleman. It's technically a Canadian podcast. I have some Canadian stuff. Okay. to talk about. Um, <sighs> okay. I know. I know. I, I want to start to with... hack the podcasting dart. <laughs> Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about one one little uh, thing I, I noticed uh, recently that's happened. 
Uh, and I think this is happening in Canada more quickly than it's happening in, in the US. Because a lot of people like to say, right, uh, you know, uh, Canada, it's, uh, it's British America, especially we, Americans wait, and the British. Are we mm. talking about the bimbofication of our uh, conservative party? Uh, I'm actually talking about uh, the Reaganification of our entire population uh, because Canada mm. is now the country that makes you old. Um, oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's Canada. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it, the, I, there was, it's, 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 this cropped up in the Globe and Mail, and I just sort of the saw it. The whole film saying Canada, and then the twist at the end is you find out it's set in the present day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Eh? Oh, jeez, bud. <laughs> I'm going to have to Whoa. hack a dart about Saskatchewan that. Saskatchewan just looks like that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's M. Night Shyamalan's Nova Scotia, and then you just like, <laughs> it's just, that's it. It's just Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. Um, well, this is set in the present day. <laughs> um, <laughs> New Scotland, what happened to the old Scotland? <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, no, mm. So basically, um, you know, the fastest growing age group in Canada is uh, 85 plus. Really? <laughs> Hell yes. They've got immigrants yeah. <laughs> <laughs> retiring to Canada. Yeah. Uh, so it's Heard the- about corner gas. God. Uh, the, uh, we're trying to collect all of the Ukrainian uh, Nazi collaborators. <laughs> we're trying to get them safe and all back in a place that mm. they can feel comfortable. Oh yeah, we're yeah. it's we've got like we got flights uh, departing every day. I mean, no, mm. so basically, um, this is why I say no. It's uh, anyone who says, "Oh, Canada," it's like European America. Mm. Wrong. Mm. It's Japan America. Uh, Japan America. Yeah, it's Japan America, mm. where we've got well, except minus the functioning infrastructure. Uh, basically, right. our young our young people are mesmerized by hentai and no longer wish to reproduce. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You, you can't you can't buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. You can't buy a house. Uh, the, uh, the there's no one really knows what to do about the inflation. Mm. Um, there also we have a very swiftly uh, aging population mm-hmm. without anything close to a birth rate to replace it. Mm. The only thing we have is a more liberal immigration policy. Well, yeah, more yeah. liberal than America. Yeah, that's to true. some extent. Yeah. But we also don't have delicious and affordable street food on every corner. So no, going to Canada and having like a tea ceremony and a Tim Hortons, <laughs> a, a Tim a, ceremony. <laughs> they're bringing Tim Hortons to London now, to central London. Oh, awesome! There's there's one I've been to more than one Tim Hortons in the UK. He took, now. He took me to one in Harlow, and it was huge. It was yeah. bigger than anyone I'd ever seen. I mean, I've only saw a couple in Canada, to be honest. But like, they have them, and they have one in Penn Station in New York. Well, too. it's like how when America builds, you know, an embassy in Afghanistan, for mm. instance, you gotta you gotta go big. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to have a big tim's yeah i was also defensive architecture like, on these tim hortons here in <laughs> london like the entire the entire management team because i presume tim hortons is a franchise so i think these guys oh, were the owners like the entire management team at this tim hortons were like south asian guys and like harlow does not have much of a south asian community and so i was like i respect the business industriousness of the south asian community is like we are bringing tim hortons to harlow have <laughs> like you- they've done the market research and they were like this is what this town needs there's a bootleg tim hortons uh in india called tom hortons <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom, Tom Hotton and the Pet Breakers. Yeah. Uh, what what, do you, what can you get at Tom Hotton's? Uh, I think the menu is basically coffee and 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 baked Wait, goods. Sorry, is it a knockoff Tim Hortons that sells coffee and baked goods, or does it sell birthday cake and it's a knockoff Tom Cotton's? No, it's a knockoff uh, Tim Hortons because it's the same font. Tom Cotton's is a local chain. We yeah. need to do a cultural exchange where. Um, you guys make me eat at Greg's, and then, uh, and then mm. the next time I'm here, that Tim Hortons should be up. Do we'll, you we'll like take... the roof of your mouth? I mean, I guess. 
I, my tongue, okay. my tongue goes up there sometimes to make like, I don't know if sibilant noises. I don't know mm. if the Greg's is the right choice. I'm a, for I'm you. a big fan of Greg's. Depends what item you're getting in Greg's. Greg, to be Greg's. Fair. If you get like a was like a steak bake, and cheese bake, bake or, those yeah. things definitely burn the roof of your mouth. But uh, okay. sausage okay. rolls not so bad, and they're, sausage they're rolls great. Good. And their vegan sausage rolls weirdly taste better than their meat sausage rolls. Yeah, the meat in the Greg's sausage roll is not a happy meat. No, meat in the steak really. bake is better. To be honest, yeah. I think there's more meat in the vegan sausage roll than in the normal meat sausage roll. <laughs> Little meat in these gym mats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is, the, it is a sausage roll uh, made of The meat sausage mats. roll is shredded newspaper. Yeah. yeah. Gre- Greg's is one of those weird things that I think um, there's a certain kind of British person that likes to really bat hard for Greg's, when in reality, the good thing about Greg's is, is that it's kind of cheap. Yeah, you can go in there, there you can get something cheap. to eat, it's inexpensive. It is not good. It yeah. is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But there's like a weird kind of person who's like very like, Greg's is amazing. It's the best. And it's like, it's it's very mediocre. It's just like cheap. People about Tim Hortons and it's not even fucking cheap. That, there is a type of Canadian that will mm. be like, yeah, it's kind of priced well, it's premium actually really Tim good. for a fast It's good. Food. Like the breakfast well, it's uh, like gut buster wrap is in, really good. Like, in the UK, bust that gut wide open. In the UK, once a, they do Canada Day, right? In Trafalgar Square. Mm. And every Canada Day, Trafalgar Square gets full of Canadian stuff. And every Ugh. time I always go, well, because, you know. <laughs> yeah, like clear cut forests. And yeah. <laughs> not a single <laughs> tree. Yeah. Just for one day a year, yeah. not a single yeah. tree is left standing in Trafalgar Square, unlike all the other Shame times. soaring down Nelson's column. Real estate is temporarily, like, uh, yeah. bumped up 10 times. Real like, estate in Trafalgar Square, temporarily unaffordable. The yeah, trees, yeah. temporarily gone, unlike mm. usual. Yeah, yeah, uh, but exactly. No, so they do Canada Day, they fill it up with Canadian stuff. Uh, and one day a year, they'll just sell Molson Canadian in Trafalgar Square. Uh, and it takes, you know how long it takes for that? me? It's a beer, a Canadian beer. And you know how long it takes for me to forget that Molson Canadian is awful, is about a year. Mm. Yeah, it's not good. It's no, really not. It's, like, it's terrible. Way better it's a terrible shit, Canadian beer. beer than yeah, that Lucky one. Lager, much better. Yeah. Much better. Uh, is that every year are you obliged as a Canadian to go to Trafalgar Square and participate in Canada Day? Is that like a weird is that a national if you service? Don't, your, uh, your passport disintegrates. There's a little chip. Oh, it's like, in it's it. like yeah. back to the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it's like fading. Right. Yes. You're like, no, I got to get there. It turns into a Macedonian passport. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Shit, fuck. Um, <laughs> no, I, I feel like uh, it's something where it's like you don't really get. Look, I, anyone, most of the people listening to this show who are Canadian will know that. As a Canadian, if you're not a complete moron, you don't really have much of a national identity. And so, like, on the day a year in Britain where it's like, there's a, like a Canadian thing going on, you're like, I might as well go. Good enough for a laugh. Oh, there's no harm going. There's no, hey, there's oh, yeah, no harm well going. Might as just check it out, eh? I check it out. And Pop you, out for a rip. You go out for, you go out <laughs> yeah. for a rip. Yeah, and then hack you hack a couple darts. Hack a dart. Canadians like all across London is firing up their snowmobiles <laughs> for the annual trip down to on, on July first. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. riding a ski do down yeah. Oxford Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you it's, can actually attach little wheels. To them. The, the one day a year where you're allowed to ski do on the pavement on Oxford Street. That's right, um, yeah. Are there like a, like British Canada weebs who come to that too? Like can, British guys who are like really into like oh, Wilfred Laurier fan camps or something like that. that, is, mm. that I hate I, thinking about that. Fortunately, I don't think mm. that person exists. Are there because, Canadian? There, there, are, there are British weebs for America. Oh yeah, absolutely for sure. For sure. I, I this, that. All of those guys went to <laughs> LSE as well. Man, myself. Does Canada have a weeb? Contingent, though? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Think no, one's that, a re- no one's a weeb for Canada. There's really. got to be some guy somewhere. What are you a weeb for? You know what? There's there's a certain kind of British person, but I think it's like an older British person who's a Canada weeb because they do they sort of think of it as respectable America. Ah, the and weebism so, of empire. You know what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, it's is, kind is, of like they understand how to do things properly over is, there. Is, like, they yeah, went, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. went to Canada once, and they can't mm. wait to tell you about it. Yeah. 
They, they went saw to the Can- Rocky Mountains. Or they went to Canada once, and like, oh, uh, it's, you know what I hear the most? It'll be something like, um, like I'll be sort of, I don't know, I'll be in a cab or whatever, and I'll be like, oh, where in America are you from? And I'll be like, I'm actually from Canada. And then uh, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I have, I have family in Canada. My cousin Dennis mm. from Owen Sound. <laughs> and you'd be like, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've had people ask me like, in it with a kind of a knowing glance. Like, so what part of Canada are you from? I'm like, I'm not from Canada. Why do I never get asked that? And they're like, like, I was like, oh, I, I thought I figured the accent out. And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, I'm from a part of America where like maybe it sounds, but not really. Like mm. having heard people from East Coast Canada, like, it's distinct enough that you'd mm. think people would pick up on it, but it's I funny. guess reminds me of me gap year in Yellowknife. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's it's more like British people. Uh, I don't think you could really tell the difference most of the time. I like, just I always know. get American. Yeah, I mean um, it's pretty similar. But went on a fucking mental stagger in Nunavut. <laughs> anyway, only <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. so, four of us came uh, back alive. A round of drinks cost four thousand dollars. Exactly. <laughs> Bands play this thing. Apparently, the, tra- the Tragically Hip have played it. The Arkells, the Sheepdogs. They were just the hit before they played that event. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jan Arden. Jan Arden has played uh, Trafalgar Square Canada Day celebrations. Is that is that Eliz- is that the same as Elizabeth mm. Arden or is that a different Arden? It's a different Arden, yeah. yeah. And this yeah. Ukrainian band with a very interesting logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, uh, Christian Christia Freeland in the Bandera Brati. Is that like some kind of sausage? Just, just like dark energy propaganda only comes over to Trafalgar Square to play like Ukrainian nationalist yeah. punk rock, but only mm. in Britain for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, in terms of mm. like who are the uh, you might say biggest proponents of the uh, you might call it the maximalist Freelandite vision, it would be Britain and Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um. Two pla- I love that. The two places where I'm allowed to live. Yeah, <laughs> it was very funny to me because I remember all the episodes in the early days editing and hearing about Christia Friedland, who I knew nothing about, but I'm like, oh, this is bad. And now it's like her moment in the fucking sun. And it's just like, oh, oh yeah. God. yeah. Not and only what her- color is that sun? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it's dark. Very dark. It's dark. Yeah. yeah. Not, not only her, her moment in the, in the dark sun, but also, you know, her... Uh, I mean, we kind of called this last year, but her her budget, like her office's budget, is just a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, basically, yeah, they're you know on housing, it's like three percent reduction uh, in housing costs at best, right? Yeah. And what we need is well, that's affordable. Yeah. Well, well, to get it back to twenty twenty prices, we'd need a thirty percent drop. Yeah. So what you you were we were huh. talking about this earlier cool. today, right? It's like. You need to have the great financial crisis as it was experienced in like Florida 10 years in a row yeah. to get it back, to get Canadian housing back to when it was just an unsustainable bubble. Yeah, yeah the guy, yeah. The guy mm. who went through it and was just like, yeah, if we had a 50% drop in house prices, which has only ever happened in certain parts of America once, it would bring us back to 2019 house prices. Yes. If it happened multiple years in a row, it would bring us to like 2015 when people were like, Canada is the worst real estate bubble in the world. And if it happened three years in a row, it would bring it down to 2011 where people, where, people, where economists were like, Canada's housing bubble, really unsustainable at this yeah, point. Kind of heating up. Yep. Um, yeah, to fix it, we'd essentially need like the financial collapse version of like when people explain how the sun works and say it's like you know it's like a Hiroshima going off every millisecond and that's what we need we yeah. need to nuke Canada it's the only mm-hmm. financially speaking yes yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, well, yeah. you know, and then which is why I support heating this war up as much as possible in yeah. Ukraine. We need we need we those Rus- start- we need those Russian nukes landing in Vancouver, <laughs> start Montreal, over, start over Toronto, make, make and then Canada you too. can buy a house. Yeah, exactly. Publicly owned housing in Canada too. Rip it up and start again, baby. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, please ignore all the radiation problems. We're gonna yeah. make it work. Guy in Montreal seeing like a mushroom cloud on the horizon and being like, "Oh no, my smuggled maple syrup." I was storing it in that forest Samage. Yeah. <laughs> we were having this I was trying to explain to Milo like his because he'll do this southern American accent that doesn't actually sound like a real American accent but what I figured oh, out what is it, when he does the country lawyer his country lawyer you know, nah, yeah. I was going to have you believe that all. you are you know what it is, that is you yeah. are you <laughs> are like a drug fit you're Oliver <laughs> you're, you're Oliver Stone's JFK but like yeah. you've been run through uh, the multiplicity machine and you're like mm. the 12th copy what yeah, I realized yeah, yeah. it was that was I uh, was trying to explain to Milo how in Saying Quebecois French can be. I found this interview between a Quebecois TV presenter and Celine Dion, where they both were like bouncing off each other, getting more and more like rural, like Trois Rivières Quebecois. Yeah, the and, Joal. Like, that accent is basically in English as Milo's Southern American voice. One hundred percent. She asked Celine Dion how you're because she spent the whole summer with her kids in Trois Rivières, and she's like, you know, how did it go? She's like, j'ai passé un été extraordinaire, extraordinaire. <laughs> and I was just like, what the. F- fuck is this shit and i sent it to milo i'm like listen man like if you just that voice like you're doing it is a real accent now it's just, we would take them boy down to <laughs> 12 yeah. it's just not an american <laughs> accent <laughs> find ourselves up in a quebec <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah it's uh it's, you did mm. you're, you're gonna do a crawdad boil in yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. The lawyer is also a chef. <laughs> the, mm, yeah. the lawyer is the, the, the guy who's, who's, who's cracking the, the Kennedy case. Mm. He's a Cajun chef from Setil, uh, mm. who has uh, got a wonderful recipe for uh, buying cigarettes out of vending machines still somehow. <laughs> That's exactly. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've, got a, I've got a few things about Canada if we want to talk about Yeah, that. let's talk okay. about Canada. Yeah, let's go. Uh, mm. Editor's note, let's just cut out the aging thing and just go right into the riffs. Find them. Yeah, okay. Mm. Uh, I got an article here. There's something that, that Dan and I have been looking for. And what happened is we took our eye off the ball and talked about like some federal budget stuff, which meant mm. that we weren't looking at this for about a week. Critical error. And we missed it. We were waiting. We were waiting for the take, right? We were waiting for someone to publish the opinion that the invasion of Ukraine means that now more than ever, we have to finish the Victims of Communism Memorial in Ottawa. Oh, we fucking God. called it. Also, I mean, I will say, on the other hand, this is published in the McDonald Laurier Institute, which no one reads. So, um, yeah. But you, yeah. you can't finish the Victims of Communism Memorial because there are new victims every day. Yeah, that's right. It's that's right. the real tragedy of communism. We're going to have to replace the entirety of Canada with a victory, Victims of Communism Memorial. Every tree dedicated to a dodgy historical figure. And, I, the, and the cost of that alone is going to be huge because of the real estate. Yeah. I was a victim of uh, <laughs> communism yesterday when I asked to use the Houseman's bookstore bathroom and they said no. <laughs> That's right. That yeah, so be- I had to go to Costa Coffee and yeah. buy like the biggest, I ordered a flat white. Okay, I was like, nice. can I get a flat yeah. white? And I saw it in the, in the, in the size column, it's under small. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I'll I'll get a small flat white. I was like, I'll drink this. I'll do my business, and then mm. go back to the bookstore. Tax store. returns. Do some business. Do some business, business over here. 
And so I got the what flat. What do you make a place like this? The flat white, it was in a fucking giant bowl and it was very mm. hot. So a then fish I, bowl with three straws. Yeah. <laughs> I, just sat, I sat there trying to drink this hot, enormous steamed milk while my bladder was just like in oh, agony. I'm sorry. Damn Hausmans. I love the idea. Anarchists that, yet again showing yeah. that they are an incorrect political Victims tendency. Victims of anarchism, if I'm going to be, yeah, mm. I'm going to be accurate. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine that if you start running out of figures to add to the tally for the victims of communism memorial, it can just start being like right-wing facebook account grievances like he's a victim of communism because like his account got shadow banned for yeah. for basically posting free at you know didn't understand castro took away my parents face independent alberta memes got him shadow banned from facebook technically a victim of communism i've got mm. something on that coming up after this mm. um but uh after this message from our sponsors yeah the victims the of victims communism, of communism <laughs> memorial yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we, with your help, for less than the with price... Code Bottleman 10. With Code can, Bottleman 10, you can help us count to numbers that were hitherto unimaginable. <laughs> um, no, uh, I loved so, it when it turned out that was including people who'd like died in car accidents. Oh, in the yeah, 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 yeah. So. Alcohol-related deaths. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, what was it? Uh, the um, I, I think like you could really include uh, victims of uh, anarchism, at least, as well, in terms of... Uh, Doing the dishes. Oh, yeah, the yeah, chore, yeah. The chore wheel is a victim of anarchism. R.I.P. the chore wheel. I was going to yeah. say, tummy ache from absolute worst <laughs> vegan stew I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Victims of anarchism. Yeah, a bizarre yeah. fungal infection that passes from house member to house member. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Bottleman is very much a, a, a tummy ache truth podcast. Yeah, yeah. There's one thing I've learned from editing it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, as none of us have tummy aches today, we're firing at all cylinders. Mm, so exactly. far, don't, don't jinx it, you know. This is Knock a rare tummy ache wood. free, yeah. Uh, I think there is some wood inside right, the so plastic technically wood counted, veneer. Technically counts. Okay, right, some, right. some of the true self persists in the false self, you know. Uh, no, it's the uh, what we need to do is we need to do like um like we need to replace all of Canada with the memorial to the victims of communism. Number one, if we put gun emplacements on the north of it, that's Arctic sovereignty solved. Is Number it two, is it hollow in the middle? Can we live in it? Well, that's what I think. Right, is that you can if we can say okay, instead of having all of these houses owned by all these different landlords, everyone gets to live in the victims of communism memorial. Mm. But you'd have to have like a similar flat, probably, if you want to make it work at scale. Mm. Um, well, victim- ironically, if you live inside the victims of communism memorial, you do actually get subsidized <laughs> rent. Yeah, which is a form of communism. That's right. Uh, yeah. Your job is to uh, just polish the Roman Shukovich uh, dedication it's every like day. Being a lighthouse it. keeper. Yeah. I love the idea of it's like. Y- the Victims of Communism Foundation has spread out to a real estate empire and they're building Khrushchevkas for some reason. It's just like, it's the most common sense design for the scale we want. Damn it. <laughs> so this is, this wasn't uh, in the McDonald Laurier Institute though. This is uh, Marcus Kolga and other various uh, McDonald Laurier people publishing in the Toronto, in the Star. Oh, okay. Um, so it's a McDonald Laurier Institute product uh, yeah. presented by the Toronto Star. Great. So they say, yeah, the uh, Toronto Red Star. Yeah. They say, uh, the Economist has rightly termed Vladimir Putin a 21st century Stalin, um, right. probably because he's such a massive communist and not, you know, himself and, and like a it's, massive right wing. It's right-wing so funny how it's, it's like it's almost accidentally perceptive in the sense that like Stalin wasn't really much of a communist, yeah, but it's like yeah. kind of like in a sort of it's not in the way that they mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like instead of it, it, it is sort of taken taken yeah. these things and just sort of lumped them together as yeah. as the bad thing and the and communist is another word for the bad thing. Yeah, I wasn't Putin aware and Stalin two men who both liked the Soviet Union for the reasons of it being a kind of right-wing security state <laughs> um, with like top-down autocracy and I, not for the communism. I wasn't aware that Putin um, industrialized all of Russia. <laughs> no, no. No. 
Um, uh, so he says uh, that, the, that Russia's hostility towards the democratic West has its roots directly in Russia's communist past. Um, mm. Again, yeah, it's. I feel as though it might have uh, more roots in Russia's hyper-capitalist past of 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's imperialist past yeah. before 1917, when, yeah. for example, Beat was so paranoid about Britain launching an attack from India, an idea that had no basis, right, but that created itself, essentially, because Russia, uh, in, Russia in the 19th century worked so hard to, like, secure more and more and more of Central Asia that they essentially created, tried to create a fortress wall through the Pamirs because they were paranoid about Britain launching an invasion, which then, of course, made Britain afraid that Russia was going to try to invade India. So they then just invaded the buffer state that they created three times. Essentially, yeah. 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 Kind of bad. <laughs> Imagine Russia invading India. Fucking incredible. It came so close. There were, there were, um, there were teams Did of Russian... Did you know it was going to be this fucking hot? <laughs> <laughs> I have lost three layers of skin already. <laughs> There were teams. Also, all of the food it burns. <laughs> what is this? It is. It contains seasoning. <laughs> There's no dill or anything. Yeah. <laughs> These people are primitive. They have not invented mayonnaise. What is the problem? <laughs> our our Belarusian our Belarusian uh, uh, allies are, are are dying of starvation. There's barely anything they can eat. They can only eat aloo. <laughs> no yelling aloo there. everywhere they go. No, but like yeah, they there were there were like um uh, teams of like of Russian scout units that like in the early 20th century like 1900 1902 that like crossed the Pamirs because they were worried about being invaded from India. They came very close to defensively invading India. I've seen Carry On Up the Khyber. I know the history, all right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, of course you guys have seen Carry On Up the Khyber because Britonology. Uh, yeah. say the history of communism, what do we think it is? Uh mm. The history of communism? It's well, according to the Marcus Kolga, it's the history of conquest and subjugation of independent peoples to the rule of a repressive civilized dictatorship. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. That's what it always cool. was. Cool. Mm. It's weird. Marcus it, never lived under communism. Uh, no. Kinda... So basically, the Atlantic slave trade was communism. Yes. Yeah. So like the most the, the purest expression of capitalism was also communism. Uh, it was secretly communism. Yeah. yeah. That was communism. Um, mm. was, uh, <laughs> After the end of the First World War, Lenin attempted to impose Moscow's rule on the newly independent republics, including Ukraine and Poland, with the aim of eventually carrying out a quote-unquote world revolution in the entirety of Europe and annihilating whole classes of people deemed counter-revolutionary. Isn't the whole thing that Russian nationalists hate about Lenin that he gave the, the like Russian imperial dominions too much free reign? Mm. Yes, because <laughs> that's he, what he literally just said. <laughs> just said that. This is oh. like so, his big speech at the start so of the he, war was yeah. like Putin. He made you know it was like it was like Lenin made a mistake. Exactly. He, 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 let, he let Ukraine think it was independent. Country. Lenin, <laughs> Lenin is fucking agreeing with, or sorry, Kolga is agreeing with Putin on yeah. this, which is. Yeah, which is the, yeah. the anyway yeah no lenin's idea was that to prevent a greater russian nationalism you had to allow uh nationalism in the periphery right like mm. um but yeah i mean kolga we talked about this on the podcast but like putin's pre-invasion speech is one of the most anti-communist things mm-hmm. uh mm. you can listen to you yeah. know he's sneering and uh absolutely dis- disdainful and like you said nate mm. like he just, he's basically like, yeah, uh, Lenin made a huge mistake. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Stalin, ironically, despite not being Russian, was much more of a Russian nationalist than Lenin was. Um, as I remember so a Russian friend once described Stalin to me as being Georgian by birth, but Russian by mentality, which I think is quite good. Um, with yeah. so, it's sort of like a stronger version of being mentally British when somebody like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like American American conservatives or Canadian conservatives get so down the rabbit hole of like a thing they've invented. They just become like, obsessed just, with bathrooms. It's just like, here's yeah. your British passport. You've earned it, man. Well, if you, you know, if you become mentally 
medically British, that's one step uh, towards becoming medically British, which is a... <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. It's actually, it's technically as dentally British. That's the... Um... Your skin is just permanently reddened somehow. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then um, Stalin continued this policy of colonial expansion, signing an agreement to carve up Europe and coordinate the start of the Second World War with Hitler. Um, <sighs> all right, I mean, citations needed, buddy. Yeah, a bit, a bit of a. I mean, yeah, yeah, but a bit of an oversimplification. Once again, it's like it's just a, Marcus Kolka doing an oversimplification. Come on, that doesn't seem. I just, seem I just hate this shit sometimes because it's like even if you wanted to approach this from a perspective of of starting with the premise of like that you hated everything about the Soviet Union, it's like okay, fine, but address it for what it actually was and not this imaginary like the Soviet Union wasn't the Technodrome. It wasn't like Doctor Doom's castle. Like stop talking about it that way. Well, I think like, that, that works for like the Marcus for Marcus Kolga's audience. Because he's an old cold warrior, and mm. you know, and if you if you're if you're an old cold warrior, and you come out of the Reagan era, then you're going to have a really hard time connecting with anyone under the age of seventy. Yeah, because mm. all of those people, like they they're they were constituted None in the world. Canadian, he's not even that old. He's yeah. Kolga isn't even that old. He's like, mm. I, I mean, he has cold war brain because he yeah. he not unlike the other. So that's right. He is he is. In the style of an old Cold War. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like the other people who wrote this, like uh, Klimovsky and uh, Paul Grodd, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these people all grew up in uh, virulently anti-communist uh, Eastern European diasporas. So. Cold War air sounds cute. It's like something your mother would call you when you've got the sniffles. That's my little Cold <laughs> War air. Cold War air. <laughs> yeah, I, Marcus Colga permanently got the sniffles ready to deter her, uh, yeah. mom. Yeah, um, <laughs> mutually assured sniffles. Yeah. So, like, uh, it's um, but what I mean is, you you can live in this card in this of uh, a world of that's basically a drawing, because you know the the world the worldview proposed by Reagan, the worldview that sort of dominated the West at the end of the Cold War and the beginning of the end during the unipolar moment. Mm. Was a cartoon, and so you only know yeah, it how no to. Bugger, it was the yeah. wolf and the yes. little hair. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what is it? One day I'll get you, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just you wait. Just you, you wait. wait. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, love that and cartoon. So Very good. The, and so yeah. the only Classic way stuff. you know how to interact with the rest of the world is a cartoon. Well, I yeah. also would say too that it's just this. At the risk of of being the guy who's constantly like 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 stops stops citing Umberto Eco's that theses of fascism in the club, you're scaring the hose kind of moment. Like when it comes back to this mm. inability to understand your ideological enemy because like you have created a version of him that that is both like venal and and morally weak but impossibly strong. It's like. It, it it's just basically jousting with your own imagination. Mm. And that's the thing that gets mm -hmm. me about this stuff is that like it doesn't really do anybody any service to just create a fantasy version to just sort of howl at and be like Putin is also exactly the same. No, the normal version is bad enough. Yeah. And if you just look at it head on and you look at his speech pre invasion, yeah. you realize, oh, he is a he's he an is, anti he, he's an anti communist. Like a lot of the like a lot of the people uh, his age who are, you know, uh so Soviet boomers essentially. Yes. They're bureaucrats. Mm. Uh they mm. they got absolutely fucked over during the transition period in the nineties. And uh, now there's this kind of nihil you can see in his speech this nihilism. Yeah, and, and I would also uh, say this like deeply chauvinistic vision of like Russianness and who gets to be Russian and what true Russians get to sort of have say in. Like he is an he is a right wing autocrat. Like even this, how they get to remember things. Yeah. you know, like this, this is this this is this is this is a fundamentally far right 
political leader and political project. And so it's like this idea of slapping a hammer and sickle on everything about it. It's just sort of like, it reminds me of kind of some of the shit that happens in this country too, to just basically mm. like they need carte blanche to both hate the left because the left is communist, but now like their enemy is also right wings. So they just have to pretend their enemy is still communist. Yeah. Mm. When ironically yeah. it's something that the Russian like far right also likes to do because mm. they also don't understand what communism is because to them <laughs> communism is just when we were about to nuke America. Like that's, mm. that's <laughs> what they conceptualize the Soviet union as being. Yeah. It's like it just, the imagined past where everything was great. It's nothing yeah. to do with the actual political, Political axis of communism. Nothing to do with the fact that like people had housing, for example. Like, oh God, the no. housing was sort of a byproduct of the nuking America. Yeah. Well, yeah, this exactly. this article is is completely the product of a guy who has uh, internalized and metabolized uh, the double the uh, Black Ribbon Day theory. Mm, yeah, you know, that's that's what we're getting here. We're getting the Toronto great Star track. That one. Yeah. yeah. You know what? We, you know, I think what we are really is this like more. I, I think I, I've said this sort of privately. I'll also say it here as well is that in a competition between two fundamentally Starship Troopers societies, mm. the question is, which one is slightly less Starship Troopers? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't quite know, because mm. this article is very much like... This <laughs> Ukrainian not bug people. Yeah. But this, this, this is very much like uh, something that, like, you know, Johnny Rico would read in his, like, history class in Starship Troopers. I want to see where he's going with this. <laughs> So mm. after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the individuals and organizations responsible for the crimes of the Soviet Union were never brought to justice in Russia, and their victims were never officially recognized. So what, we're creating a memorial to recognize a bunch of other people who committed a bunch of crimes slightly earlier? The victims of victims of communism. On the contrary, Putin's government has been whitewashing Russia's past and glorifying its communist leaders. Like Putin himself, much of his no, inner he circle hasn't. are in fact foreign. <laughs> he, wait, he, what did he say about Lenin? He hated Lenin. Yeah, like he he fundamentally felt that the Soviet Union was like an error of judgment in its entirety. Like it, you can very clearly, if you know, even like you've read the Wikipedia article one and a half times, you realize like what he's harking to is like the Russian Empire, like basically pre nineteen seventeen. Like it's. Mm. That that should be obvious on its face, but once again, it's like because that is fundamentally a reactionary yeah. movement, and it's like, but, but reactionary—that's what I am. I don't yeah, want that yeah, to be yeah. bad. Well, there's this there's this weird mixture in Russian nationalism where you can meet people who unironically love uh, both uh, Putin, uh, the the Tsar, the Orthodox Church, and Stalin. It's like I don't think you can love all of those things at the same time. I <laughs> Why? Think what do you mean, Milo? There's room in my heart for four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then and yet weirdly, their failure to acknowledge any of those contradictions is sort of perceptive yeah again that, 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 that's i can of, love tito and archon at the same time yeah you know? this is like the political version of that that photo of like these dudes in india selling ice cream ice cream cones and the ice cream brand is hitler it's just a picture of hitler on the ice cream cone brand it's just sort of like i don't feel is it as like though, a chibi hitler no i mean it's, it's a full-on it's just like oh, a okay. photoshop of a picture of adolf hitler and it's just sort of like he's got a milk mustache and it's just one of these things where you're like yeah. i don't think mm, you guys you. even understand the basic source material here because there's nothing about it that these makes you think these guys are nazis they're just like yo check out these ice cream cones they're called hitler and it's just like <laughs> Like, Super tasty. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. are we going to sell ice cream in this uh, saturated <laughs> Say market? What you like about Hitler? He made a good ice cream. <laughs> we're going to need to look. We're going to need to sell ice cream in this saturated market, and we need to get people's attention. Uh, no publicity is bad publicity. Yeah. So here, here's where he gets to the victims of communism thing. All right. He says, um, like Putin himself, much of his inner circle, in fact, former functionaries of the KGB. Uh, given all this, it's not surprising that Putin's Russia has culminated in invading Ukraine, an independent democratic state. Um, <clears throat> 
The Memorial to the Victims of Communism, comma, a land of refuge, is the only project in Canada that seeks to commemorate the tens of millions of victims of communism. Tens of millions, hey? Tens of millions. Wow. I thought it was going to be more from them. Come on. You, I, they can write a way bigger number. Uh, it is a collaboration between the ethnic communities across Canada whose members found refuge some, in our society. Some, some ethnic communities. Yeah, some ethnic communities. Not mm. all of them, certainly. No. no. Um, whose members found refuge in our country after surviving the violence of communist rule in their homelands. However... The memorial has faced many challenges and is still waiting to see the light of day 14 years since its inception. Oh, they've gotten so much money. The light of day? Well, they like building it in a basement or something. <laughs> they're building The Austrian <laughs> communism memorial. They're, they're building it in Ottawa. Uh, mm. Despite the expressions of support from federal politicians, the remaining stages of, to complete the project are again delayed. It's just Whoops. like Crossrail. Yeah. I bought a flat in Ottawa expecting the Memorial Victims of Communism Memorial to open in August 2018, and it is still not open. My commute is hellish. Like, <laughs> I mean, Kolga, did, did Grod, Klamaski need to, they need to take a step back and look at the riches that they have right now. Their, their person is basically in charge of the federal budget. We are uh, absolutely uncritically funding... Uh, and sending weapons. We've declared what's happening a genocide. Yeah, which yeah. Is, yeah, you can't climb down from that. You cannot climb down from that. So, <laughs> I, I mean, what? But, and now they're fucking whining about this shitty memorial that, like, no one is interested in building yeah. except yeah, for them. Yeah. Yeah, we, the big meter in the Canadian government yeah, has yeah. ticked over from misunderstanding to genocide, yeah. and it, it's a ratchet. It can't well, go back. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? We. If you're if you're gonna make that claim, and again, there is a lot of uh, a lot of academic work, that, a lot of serious academic <laughs> work that goes into making that claim, often mm. after the fact. So, like with with the Canadian Parliament officially describing deciding to legislate that there's a genocide going on in Ukraine, like what they're doing is they're t they're there is international disagreement as to whether or not this is happening. Some people are saying yes. Emmanuel Macron is saying, but in, in France is saying, well, hang on, this is a rhetoric escalation. We can't climb back down from this. Um, some experts are saying, no, there's not enough. It's very bad. There are clearly war crimes, but not enough evidence for a genocide yet. But with Canada locking this in in legislation, we are now looking at what Macron says. This is escalation of rhetoric you cannot climb down from ever. And we are saying we are happy making that escalation and damn the consequences. Yeah. Um, again, that's not to like, ser it's seriously, that's not to like go on the, on, out on the limb to say that none of the stuff that they're talking about has happened. It's horrible. It's a, it's a war. It's like, it's awful. But, yeah. what, but once, you say, once you say it's a genocide, like you're saying, okay, we're now in a knockdown drag out fight with a nuclear power. Yeah, exactly. And, and also something that I'd point out too is that once you're in that situation, you have basically said that this, the, your, your opponent is systematically committing mass murder to extirpate Ukrainians. So you basically are saying in a roundabout way, the only way that the war then can, by your justification, end is with the complete and utter defeat and, and removal of the current Russian government. Mm -hmm. yeah. How are you going to accomplish that? Yeah. And so what you've basically said is that like, well, uh, that's, that's, that's part two and we're on part one. So we're just going to keep yeah. saying that this is a moral imperative and no other solution is possible. Yeah. All right. Well, then what you're basically saying is you're going to make Ukraine into Syria cubed yes. forever until Vladimir Putin dies because that's the only way yeah. you're going to. And that's probably going to happen. doesn't have the faculties to rule yeah. anymore. And but, that's, that's going to take a stacking a lot of Ukrainian bodies. Yeah, but, exactly. you know, we're, we're willing to do it. Yeah. So. And it's, it's it, it, to me. Willing to make that big sacrifice. Yeah. To me, it's, it's, it's a really horrifying thing because it's just like. I get that you are probably under, you get a lot of these sorts of things from Ukrainian diaspora people who 
were vehemently opposed to the Soviet Union and many of many of whom, if they're in the West, are probably descended from people who would have I mean, I'm not saying all of them, but many of them fought against Soviet Union and would have been either imprisoned or executed had they stayed in the Soviet Union post war. Mm-hmm. But like that that doesn't mean that like all of the other facts that we are describing that are at play in the situation don't apply. Yeah. And if and if you're like you're like, oh it doesn't matter. It's like, well cool. Once again you've here's your British passport because yeah. you were at war with your own imagination. And it's like, and it's a disservice to the people who are actually fucking dying because it's like, it if you can end this war in a way that provides enough of an op- off ramp for them to just stop, then like that mm-hmm. does at least stop the possibility of of you know the ten thousand people who are going to die next month mm-hmm. not dying. You know that could put that could they could be saved. But instead, it's just sort of like, no, 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 no. It's important for me morally here in Canada or America or Britain that this continues. So therefore, Ukrainians, please keep dying. Mm-hmm. And it, the idea know, that heroically. we in order to achieve the um, you know general Western policy goal of weakening Russia, uh, it's going to be like, well, we are going to basically uh, commit ourselves to a maximalist vision that there is no sane or safe way to achieve. Yeah, and and it, Canada has now done that. And the thing about it is, is that importantly, Canada is not the one fighting. Canada's, yeah. Canada is not the one, like, it's not Canadians who are dying. It's very easy to oh, say oh, that. We're, we're fighting on the, inform- on the battlefield of information. We're doing, we're doing uh, retweets. We're doing hashtags. We're doing retweets. Yeah. We got flags and bios. We have, uh, we have produced a couple uh, domestic uh, disinformation referees telling people which lies mm-hmm. are good and which ones are bad. Like, uh, I, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this because the people know this about me, that, like, I've always been very, very involved with trying to uh, just advocate for people that I know in the situation with regard to resettling at refugees from Afghanistan. And there have been times when I've made the point like that, you know, like I'm happy that people are being so welcoming to Ukrainian refugees because I feel like that's how all refugees should be treated. And even that anodyne of a statement, people have said, this is, you know, what about ism? This is Putin apologia. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this has shattered the, the, the fucking psyches of so many people. Yeah. And it's like, and the thing about it is, is that they, I feel as though they, their, their perception is that this mania is, doing something in service of ukrainians and it's like Mm. no it's not if anything it's making it worse it's making it impossible for people to build a political consensus to end the war Mm. uh because you're like you're you're like no it doesn't make me feel good to say you might wind up having to to white to to write off crimea for example yeah like and it's fucked that it happened but like let's be perfectly honest here like crimea if you really want a status quo anti-fix crimea you have to undeport all the crimean tatars who were fucking deported under stalin like You're dealing with a situation that didn't just start in 2014. Fucking Navalny has gone on the record saying he considers Crimea a part of Russia. Like there's no, there's no bringing that back. Like that bell will not be unrung. And here we, and like, and with, with these things in Canada, with developments in the UK as well, there seems to be a hardening position among the various backers of Ukraine that this is the opportunity to roll it back to whatever it was 2013, which is not going to happen. It's going to make the world a much more dangerous place to live going to stack mm-hmm. a lot more bodies and um and ultimately it's yeah it's going to achieve a western foreign policy goal of rolling the destroy all life on earth dice to potentially weaken russia a country that already manifestly wasn't very fucking strong it's pretty fucking weak let's be yeah. honest yeah. here yeah like i think that's one of the things too that's been really kind of eye-opening about all this is that this rhetoric is that basically like 
if you do not take, like you said, Riley, the maximalist <laughs> position, then 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 Putin's going to roll his tanks all across Europe. Putin will fucking invade Just Switzerland. And it's like, not unless they run out of diesel or, you know, they left the puncture repair kit because they sold it to a guy in Bryansk yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like, you know? it's like, it's like, yeah, I mean, okay, I get it if this was the Red Army, but like they made it less than 100 miles across their forward line of advance and then their tanks all broke because they haven't done maintenance on them since like fucking this first Spice Girls single came out. Yeah, which, like, which is why this, this, uh, this new sort of wrinkle, this idea that you know like two weeks ago Zelensky said oh (laughs) Russia is going to invade Moldova it's going to happen which was basically him signaling uh, about what happened last week which was uh, grenade attacks on a TV station in Transnistria which is a break which is a breakaway republic but like but like the idea it was like he was signaling that actually the Ukrainians are going to go for this ammunition dump you know one thing that I found really interesting was that when um uh, a friend of friend of the show, Alexander Lukashenko, was on TV in Belarus <laughs> <laughs> and was briefing. Off of, to me back. <laughs> he was he was briefing off of like the actual military maps that were provided to him by Putin's government, so like stuff that probably shouldn't have been on TV. Right. That showed one of their axes of advance taking them through Kiev and Lviv, in, and then into the Transnistria, and like. I don't think people like may, maybe if things had all gone according to plan and they'd immediately rolled over Ukraine, that would have been their plan too. But obviously that didn't happen. Yeah. But it's just very funny because it's just sort of like if they wanted to invade Moldova, like where from where? Like they don't have um, any kind of massing of troops anywhere mm-hmm. close to there. Like th- they're 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 bogged down in Mariupol. They're bogged down in in Harrison. Like they. Mm-hmm. Are they going to go through Romania? (laughs) And like, like, that is not a country that's benefited with, you know, sort of swinging westward, right? Well, they brought Andrew Tate over there. Just like... And put him in jail. Yeah, that's right. To be honest, he belongs. I can't imagine Moldova, you know, being the backstop for to, to, to like, uh, stop the Russian, the the Russian advance. Like, they're not... They don't have skin in the game. Also, They're- what I want to point out, I think, uh, before I have to go to go to physio and leave you guys to do some London reflections, mm. is that like by choosing by by with with the Canadian government choosing to, I'd say, go with the genocide framing, uh, with the UK government with with, with uh, the US government saying we're going to use this to um uh we're going to try to use this situation to weaken Russia, with the UK government doing whatever batshit thing it does. By turning this into a knockdown drag out fight, they're not fighting Russia where they're weak, which is all of their conventional forces, and instead fighting them the only place where they're strong, which is an existential fight. I would, I would, I would also say that like it feels as though you're talking to an AI because it's either the, 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 the logical step, next step is going to be, well, if this is a genocide, then the, the other talking point comes back, which is now we have to establish a no-fly zone, which... As that was the thing that happened early in the war, people were talking about it, and then it's like I think one thing that's been revealed is that like Russia doesn't have air superiority over Ukraine, like a no-fly zone. First of all, you can't enforce that without you know NATO NATO forces attacking Russia. But yeah. secondly, like it's not really a air superiority fight at this point. Like they, Russia doesn't dominate that airspace, so it doesn't make any sense. But it's a thing that people think needs to happen because it's just been said over and over again. Well, they've been and, told. Yeah, been told exactly. And it's like it's like similarly with this. What what is the next demand going to be that's going to create this tension where you know people who actually would have to enforce this are all saying no we won't do that that's an insane idea but like they're you know people's responses is then going to be all right well then we need to like flood their fucking telephone lines and like you know do civil disobedience until they start world war three like it's such it's such a maddening thing because in this case like the demands are being made like they're being shared in a way that sounds like it's going to resonate you know like it sounds like a like conventional wisdom like oh we got to do this thing but it's like the thing you're saying to do cannot be done without basically creating a like a NATO versus Russia 
confrontation like yeah. a head-on fight and I, th- I think one of the side effects is going to be like potentially a fracturing of the european union consensus over over this point because like romania is i, I mean the countries closer to ukraine understand what's at stake yes the Western European countries, maybe not so much. I think there's going to be a huge cut split between Britain and Germany over this because Britain is high flying on insane rhetoric, and Germany's just like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. Actually, like, we would like to keep using the oil and gas. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to leave these uh, on that uh, cheery note. Uh, I'm going to run to my physiotherapy appointment, but I'm going to leave these these jokers to uh, finish up the episode. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, so Dan, um, mm. you're back in London and uh, I'm wondering, how is, how, how is it? How is it being in, in the post-Brexit paradise of the United Kingdom? Well, I got to say the circumstances by which I'm here are mm. slightly different than uh, my, my usual trips to London. My usual trips to London um, generally involve having a show that is bookended on either day, on either side, by other shows not in the UK or not in London. So, oh, okay. So... My experience with London has been it's really stressful to get in. You have to drive to the venue. You do your sound check. You're usually late. Um, maybe you've been on a boat earlier that day, maybe from somewhere like France. Oh, yeah. The fucking French. That's not going to cheer you up. Yeah, not at all. And then uh, and then you play the show and it's great. But then, uh oh, you've got to make it uh, to the ferry to Ireland. So you got to drive out of town. And also, it's really expensive to stay here. So. So really, I realized uh, after I was here for like 48 hours, I was like, I have never really spent any meaningful time in London. And now I have. Now you're here in the world's first room. <laughs> I know. I'm in the world's first room. I'm staying in Soho, too, at a oh, nice wow. hotel. Oh. So uh, Ooh, look yeah, at this guy. Just I ate fish and chips in bed last night and watched uh, the Quatermass experiment. <laughs> really experiencing London to the absolute maximum. Yeah. Fish and chips in bed, yeah. uh, you know. Quater bass on the TV. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of mm. it's kind of a kind of a polar opposite. It's like when you're you're used to basically like yeah, sleeping on someone's floor and packing it into an uncomfortable van, and now you're in like a big fluffy robe in a hotel, just literally room service. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this place is if your band is not making a lot of money, this place is pretty brutal. And I and I mm. actually New York is kind of the same way. I think. Yeah, it's not a famously cheap place. Not a famously cheap place. Not famously easy to, you know, uh, navigate. I'm now just imagining like a wolf parade to where you're all like staying in Luton. Uh, you know, <laughs> we actually okay. So the last, I think the last time Wolf Parade played in London, we stayed in a town that we've stayed in four or five times before, which is Maidstone. Oh wow! Oh, wow! Oh, that's, yeah. I didn't think you were going to come up with somewhere worse than Luton, but you've actually managed it. Oh. Okay, Ma- Maidstone is worse than Luton. I've never yeah, been to my, Luton. My so. grandfather lived in Maidstone when I was growing up. I did, well, the much the much detested paternal grandfather, and like the, the uh, town just fitted his vibe. It's just it's a dreadful. Let me. <laughs> most let me, towns in Kent are pretty dreadful, to be honest. Let me uh, paint a picture of uh, the hotel that we we always mm. stayed at in Maidstone because our tour manager would always book it because the price was right. So it's a right, it's a okay. Conference hotel off of a ring road. Nice, great, um, very British immediately. With a totally nondescript, what they called a restaurant, it was just like a couple of uh, mm. really uncomfortable chairs and these weird low round tables where you could order stuff like uh, tarragon and chicken linguine, which is 
the worst pasta I've ever had in you my see, life. You say you've not properly experienced Britain before. What you've done is you've experienced the real Britain. Yeah. You've, on every previous trip to the UK, you've seen the UK for what it truly is. It's only this time you're getting the kind of polished London yeah. experience. But yeah, bad yeah. conference hotel off yeah. a ring road in fucking Maidstone. Yeah, that's real Brit vibe. Fucking hotel rooms too. Every hotel room in that hotel is just like the, the actual area that you would spend any amount of time in is very cramped and small. But then they have these weird big bathrooms. Oh mm. man! Hardly anything. Tiny little cattle. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind tiny, of reminds me. Milo kid. and I had a video gig for a client in Liverpool, and we stayed in this really cheap hotel that, like, clearly had been built to accommodate like luxury passengers who were going to board like in like transatlantic ocean liners in the late 19th century, early 20th century. Okay. So it was like palatial, but basically empty. It had it had a sink in the bathroom and another massive sink in the room itself. Yeah, and it was like like you were describing like a bathroom bigger than the flat I was living in in London at the time. It had yeah. like with nail and eye kind of vibes. Yes. Like it was like everything was like very opulent but also completely decrepit. And, and when we got there, we 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 got the word from them because we thought we could start later in the day and could leave early in the morning on the Saturday, but instead we had to leave that Friday night. So we piled into Milo's car and drove from London to Liverpool and we didn't get to the hotel till three in the morning. And there was a club in the lobby or adjacent to the lobby of the hotel. And so we were checking in. I was getting nice treatment because I have an American accent. He was getting talked to like the biggest asshole on the planet because he has he has a southern <laughs> I'm English being accent. completely polite, but just from the south. And and wait, because just because you don't because he's not he's not northern because because right in in the british class system yeah, yeah. if you're american you're just you're just hors de combat right like whatever okay, like okay. you're you're sort of like you're you've got like diplomatic immunity from this shit but for me when i'm like a lot of time if I'm like in the north or like sometimes somewhere like Scotland mm -hmm. like my voice simply precedes me it doesn't matter what i'm saying like people <laughs> have formed an impression that they hate me amazing yeah and oh. so basically, I, I I would get like, oh, you're an American, and he and he would get fuck off back to London, you fucking prick, like kind of <laughs> shit. And so I, but it's three a.m. We're trying to get in. People from the emphysema clinic. <laughs> yeah, agree, yeah. Mate. I'm trying to understand the guy when he's like, "There's a car park in the Bach," like, and uh, and it's the club is open, so like, there's women who are probably my age or slightly older, but look like like tanning bed to fucking age them like emperor palpatine right the mummy wearing yeah. like 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 saran wrap leather skirts and because it was right before memorial or veterans day or uh, British armistice Bros. day they were wearing poppies to the club oh yeah you gotta wear the poppy and man. we were just thinking about this we're like this is one of those visions of britain that people who are tourists here don't really get very often <laughs> and it's amazing to me because you got the southern english version of that you got yeah. like the yeah, shitty yeah. like knockoff jamie oliver food yeah. in the conference hotel baz's bnb yeah oh just brutal just absolutely brutal there's something really miserable about any kind of british entertainment place that's like outside of a big city like if you go to like a british seaside hotel they will treat you like like the fact that you're staying there is an imposition on the peaceful time they were having and it's like this is your but this is how you make money like my I mom definitely has had that experience in brighton where i stayed at a hotel a seaside hotel in brighton and right. the room had bed bugs in it and i went oh, i went fuck. it was like two in the morning i just finished playing uh, Brighton's version of South by Southwest that, that mm. uh, it's like an industry fest. I went downstairs to the lobby and I talked to the guy. I was like, hey, my room, there are bugs. There are bed bugs. And he was like, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, we got rid of those, basically. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm imagining things. I went back upstairs, tried to go to sleep. I was getting bitten and then I crushed one and brought it downstairs on a piece of paper and was like, there's fucking bed bugs in my room. 
I have to put my clothes in garbage bags now. Like, what are you going to do about this? He's like, we're all booked up, mate. <laughs> and he's so, like, but sir, don't tell the other guests. So <laughs> I slept on a dining room table uh, with like di- dining linen over me. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. That was my Dude, last time in Brighton. I, I, yeah. I had bed bugs once in New York and it's such a soul shattering experience when you're like, nothing is safe. Like yeah. they could yeah, be anywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like, per- it makes uh, you insane too, because yeah. not only yeah. are you not sleeping, you're paranoid that they are everywhere yes. and they probably they are. They probably are. Bed bugs were your Vietnam. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they could be I, I, yeah. Yeah, I'll exactly. tell you, I'll, I'll, I, we, I managed to get rid of them. We had someone come and treat it in our place in New York. And But every time I stay any place that has a hotel, like a guest room, any sort of thing like that, I, I just panic insistently check the mattresses and stuff because like having had it, I just, yeah, never want to yeah. deal with that ever. So I can only imagine like you're, you're condemned you're, by yeah. the Brits to fucking deal like, with and it. You're on tour too. And you're like, you, there's your suitcase and all your clothes. You basically have oh, to burn all your shit, you know? Yeah, oh. Every seaside hotel experience I have is like this. My mom tells this story about taking me and my dad and her taking me on holiday. To some, I think it was on the Isle of Wight when I was like four. And then, and then resolving as a result of this trip to never go on holiday in the UK <laughs> ever again. And then showing up to this, there was some trouble with the ferries or something. So they show up to this hotel. It's like 10 o'clock at night. They're like exhausted. And then, like the first thing that the woman who runs the hotel says is, "Well, you're too late for dinner." <laughs> this is oh, like amazing. the most powerful British hospitality energy. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, don't uh, even ask. I was under the impression that British people only had a bad time on holiday to other countries. Like they go to Greece and get too sunburned, mm. or they have like. Uh, oh, no, they love that. They love getting roasted to get, death. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I love yelling sausage and mash at Costas, you know. <laughs> I remember seeing a guy in the Seattle airport with a British passport who was taking a nap and he looked like he looked like a tomato. He was very, very bald and was in Seattle in, as well. Dude, <laughs> Pacific Northwest in the summer, you know this yeah, day yeah. in the summer. It's sunny as fucking. You, if you sunny, are white, you'll get sunburned you, if you're you, not you're careful. You're going to get cooked. You go there, you get an impression of it as a uh, rainy grunge city, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Not, not true. Not, not in the summer. And uh, well, I'm wondering, I'm wondering like, so what other places have you played in, in the UK, like across your career? Um, I'm sure you've got some other grim spots. Well, but, um, no, the first show I ever played in the UK was in Nottingham. Uh, oh, cool. opening yeah. first of three for Black Mountain, uh, the the Canadian metal band Black Mountain, and I was shocked to realize that we got there really early. We were we were like rushing all day, and I didn't realize the shows start so early because the the pubs close. This would have been two thousand six, maybe two thousand five, okay, two thousand six. Right, right. So like all the pubs were closing, I guess. Like last call. Yeah, like it can le- be pretty early. It's like what a lot of pubs close like eleven or twelve. Eleven, I think it was. Yeah, at yeah. That eleven time. used to be kind of the standard time. Yeah. Like we have twenty four hour licensing now, but not everywhere does it. Like it, yeah. So we're we play the show, and then I'm like kind of looking outside, and people are just like fucking apocalyptically wasted. Yes, like I have never seen that level of drunkenness. And- Midlands is particularly bad for this as well. Like I was went a visiting friend of mine has moved to Stoke on Trent, which is okay. possibly the worst town in the Midlands among amongst like a competitive <laughs> league table. And uh, we were outside. We were like it was a Sunday afternoon in Stoke, and it was I was early evening. It was probably like six seven p.m. So it's like dinner time, right? And we're walking past a pub. And people are like so wasted. There is, and we watch a guy get knocked spark out outside a pub at like 7 p.m. on a Sunday. And we're like, wow, that's really, that's like a 3 a.m. vibe. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you get yeah. through it. They're efficient in Stoke and we're all home in time for bed. Yeah. So that was, that was uh, eye opening because I'd never been to the UK before. And my impression just growing up watching like BBC stuff yeah. and, you know, Canada gets a fair amount of British media or dead when I was a kid. 
Um, I thought it was going to be very, very, very different. Uh, then we went yeah. to Bristol and played it in oh, yeah. a uh, different, different energy, but also weird. Yeah. yeah, it was like a social, like a social club, basically. So carpeted floors, right, right, okay. mirrors, like. It was a great show, but the promoter was like, all right, fellas, uh, you're going to stay in the rehearsal space, and but I got to lock you in. Oh, so he, lo- oh. he locked us into this fucking, like, barely heated. It was December. so dangerous. It was December. Like, oh, my God. So And, you know, we just all kind of slept on couches or the floor, and that it was barely heated, and there was one weird half-working toilet, and, like... And then he let us out in the morning, and then we all got very, very sick for the rest of the tour. Good God. Yeah. Amazing. Very cool shit. Yeah. I, I, we Leeds, say- we slept in someone's tiny kitchen, like kind of like sardines. Like It's so glamorous being in the arts, isn't it? it oh, I yeah. Love it. yeah I, had, I had so many experiences of this as a comedian, but just where it, I was just on my own as well. So oh, just like man. an additional layer of like- Well, yeah, <laughs> like loneliness and fear because like if yeah, you're yeah, staying yeah. at, I don't know, uh, uh, Igor's house, you might, you know, there's, there's no oh, one to God, defend. Yeah. Right, Riley and I had to share a bed in Bristol because we didn't realize that the heater, the, the radiators had been turned off to save money in the loft we were staying in because like I thought, the promoter was great. He put us in this place, but like, there was a um there was a radiator but it was behind the bed the headboard of the bed and so we didn't we didn't know it was there so we just had to like wrap ourselves up and cuddle up and it's like right Riley, riley's a very heat generating man so like mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. grateful Lots of for energy. that but yeah i imagine that, that you've probably had to have band member warmth over the years in these kinds of situations oh yeah just absolutely like, i used to snuggle up with our uh, former tour manager todd graham um <laughs> who i knew from my crust punk days and uh which was great because he's he's like a very warm big soft guy um, but he also never clips his toenails, so occasionally oh, his, his oh. like his feet would twitch, oh, and I'd, I'd just get like a little slash. Yikes! Oh. Yeah, see, that's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's 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 the not glamorous side of rock and roll. <laughs> that's what they don't tell you at rock and roll college. They really don't. I mean, the, like one of the first big shows we ever played in New York, uh, we were classic Wolf Parade style. Like, sold the show out. We're super excited. Played the show, got wasted, and then realized we had not booked a hotel because we thought. We could just do it the night of. Oh, no. So uh, we slept in the van. Oh, God. <laughs> After selling out this big place, we're just oh, like, woof. I guess we're good. fucking sleeping in the van. <laughs> yeah, I, I, ugh. yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been lucky, but like, especially in the early days when we would, we would play uh, like these festivals across the UK, like we would just get put up in someone's house and it's just yeah. it, 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 like great people, really, really nice accommodating. But it's just one of these things where you realize that like this country is sort of like a like a rent extraction machine, and mm-hmm. most people live in pretty dire accommodation across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we stayed in this house in in Birmingham that was it was gorgeous, but it was one of these things where like it was had been before it you know become like a, a so like a renting out by the room kind of place. But it was one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, they haven't caulked anything in the bathroom in so many years. Like if you take a shower, you have to use this sponge to clean up any <laughs> any water that's gotten on the tub because it will seep through the roof and collapse the kitchen. Like it's, right, it's on right. its last legs. My, half of the homes in Britain are like the bit in Alan Partridge where he goes around to Michael the Geordie's house and it like Michael the Geordie brings him out a snack to eat on the doorstep and it's like a cup of baked beans with a sausage in it. And he's like, put a sausage in there, put a scoop of beans with. And, he's in it, and, he, and, he, and then he's like, have you not? Have you not got a spoon? And he's like, "Oh, there's one in the bathroom, like, but I've near cause to use it." <laughs> <laughs> that is just like the British British yeah. house shares for anyone over forty. Like that is basically the vibe. Grim, yeah. very grim. So, so now, now you get a chance to experience swinging London in a way. You get to stay in the nice places. And, yeah, yeah, I'm staying in the nice place. I, uh, I've, I've, I walked all over the city yesterday as much as possible. Um, uh, went to the anarchist bookstore. 
It's cool. They refuse that use the toilet on anarchist grounds. Yeah, but they do have a great selection of books. Even they've replaced it with a pig iron furnace. Yeah, they've replaced it with all the unsold copies of Luke Harding's book, which they are uh, which they are uh, promoting at the anarchist bookstore, which I thought was weird. Yeah, as long as you as long as you went to the right school and have a fancy enough accent, you can just commit plagiarism in this country. It's kind of amazing. The okay. Johan Hari story, like it's just it's wild to me, but. You know, that's you. You're seeing true. You've seen true gross Britain, and now you get to see like slightly. Here in Britain, we have a system. Yep. The system is if you know a guy, don't worry about it. Fair enough. I found a really cool place though on my walk back. Oh, What's yeah? that? Um, it's I, I. I was walking back from Houseman's to to Soho, and I saw. Um, I was like, this looks like Novi Belgrade, like this incredible piece of architecture, and I guess it's called Brunswick Center. Huh. There's a oh, okay. shopping mall in there, but it was built as like this utopian sort of uh, public housing. But they they never painted it. There's something happened with the city council where they it was supposed right, to be okay. painted and it never got painted. So it's just this giant piece of brutalist uh, modernist. Pull it up because I might recognize it. But I'm there's a there's think. a fucking shopping mall right in the middle of it, Brunswick Center. Yeah, I'll tell you the uh, the thing. There for... it is. Oh wow! Let's see it. Oh yeah! Yeah, yeah look yeah. at this shit. It's incredible. Mm. I wonder if that, that kind I don't, of... I've never Milo, noticed that, this. Where is that located? Because that looks very similar to the, some of the, the buildings that we saw when we did that video at the Curzon. Remember when we did the client oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it must be in like... It's close to the British Museum. Oh, right, right. So it's in yeah, Fitzrovia. Yeah, yeah, so yeah I that's think, what I was going to say. I think yeah. we walked... I, I'm pretty sure there's a Nando's in that shopping center and we ate at it. I'm, I'm dead serious. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You might be right. It's, yeah, it's shopping center in Bloomsbury. Yeah. yeah. It really looks like somebody dropped a chunk of Ljubljana into uh, I love downtown. that they've said shopping center in Bloomsbury, Camden, because it would be in the borough of Camden, but like uh-huh. that's so misleading because actual <laughs> Camden is like so yeah. far from there. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say, what was it? Um, Something I was going to ask you specifically about like exploring the stuff around London, like whether or not, you know, this makes you want to spend more time in the UK or if you're like, uh, fuck this place. Um, I, I know that London is, you know, uh, considerably different than, um, outer than not London yeah, fair enough. <laughs> in the mm. UK. Um, but yeah, I, I, well, you've been to Maidstone. <laughs> I've been to Maidstone. Which I've is ex- a London commuter town. I've yeah. experienced Maidstone, but, um, but yeah, I, I really, I mean, I've really enjoyed my time here so far, mainly cause I've just been doing these, just random walks like i'll pick something to walk to and just puff it around yeah so yeah no it's been it's been good i still don't want to play a show in nottingham (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) we've never played nottingham either i mean play in scare quotes because we do a podcast i've done it with stand-up you have yeah Um, where i got interrupted by an alcoholic who like kept breaking into the show from the bar and this guy was such a like notorious local alcoholic that like all of the bar staff knew him by name and kept being like, come on, Gerald, or whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say, usher I'll, you out. I'll, I'll say the one, the one thing for me where it's like, sometimes this place can get me down because it can just be very frustrating, but like there are, there are moments where I'm reminded of like the cool side of London. Last summer, I was doing this thing. I, I talked to my neighbors and collected up a bunch of like old baby clothes and kids clothes to donate to, because Care for Calais normally does drops to bring to refugees trying to get uh, asylum status in the UK who are right. in the camps in Calais in France. Yeah, yeah. But they were doing things basically to drop off for Afghan refugees who were getting... Um, uh, relocated to the UK and I wound up getting like a huge duffel bag and I don't have a car I'm under my British driver's license so I was like fuck it I found a, a drop off point in somewhere in South London near where I live like it's kind of in Bermondsey and I rode my bike and it's just started fucking dumping rain on me but I had I had them in bags so I wasn't worried about it getting wet and so rode my bike up to this place it was like a railway arches it was like a like a craft brewery place 
and uh, the, the 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 donation got handled by um, like an extremely cool trans guy covered in tattoos wearing a shirt that said "Stop looking at my dick," and I was like, no weirdness at all about the fact that I was covered in fucking rain, just soaked wet, weird, insane American, and they were like, "Hey, do you want a do do you want a beer?" And I was like, "No, I'm not drinking right now." And they're like, "Well, here, I'll give you a craft soda instead." And I was like. Hell yeah, man. Like Amazing. there are sides of this country where I'm like, people are so fucking cool. It's just that the things the that based make, Anglo vibe. It's just that the things that make Britain cool, the people who run Britain fucking hate that yeah. so much. And the things they love about Britain are just like, it's shit. It's supposed to be shit. And if you don't like it, you can fuck off. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Riley was explaining it to me, uh, kind of like as if uh, the Ben Shapiro's of North America were in power. Like Yes. Mm. Yes. And yes. Ma- and making executive decisions. Yes. And and if uh, and if 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 every time you open up a newspaper, it's like, haven't we all just agreed that up is down and left is right? Like, yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's kind of like they're slightly, they're like probably slightly less reactionary than someone like Ben Shapiro. But what they are is that they're more like misery pilled. Right. Like they believe yeah. that Which like is- misery is like a kind of like uh you know like uh trans transcendental state of being which will like free you from your like oh, earthly it's, it's like scarification desires. or just like yeah yeah, yeah. Just from fl- my meat prison just flagellating yourself. Yeah, exactly. And like the more austerity we do, like the morally better we yeah, will become it'll, it'll, as it'll a just, people. It'll, it'll yeah. just First of upper lips. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did. I, I have to say, I know we're coming close to the end, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about like one of my biggest disappointments while I was here. Mm. Uh, while I've been here. So you yeah, went to this first ever room exhibit. Really sucks. They made me do a podcast. Well, th- this is about an exhibit. So. Oh, OK. My uh, one of my plans was to start an offshoot of Bottleman, a, a series uh, called mm-hmm. Mummy Touchers. Where <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. Where I go into uh, various British museums and I, I and I touch the mummies. Right. Okay. Right. To see if you know if they're dry. Uh, I I don't know. Well, I've never any review. The, I've the, never the, touched the, the a mummy before. Of a mummy yeah. is, a, is an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. I presume they're dry. I think that's something we can probably state with reasonable confidence. So I started wet mummy <laughs> i was thinking yeah okay dry but then i was like what if there's a you know what if you put your finger in there there's a layer of dryness and then you get in there and it's a little soupy oh right well, but what about utsi the ice man that's a very wet mummy technically a mummy mummified by D- a glacier DJ Utsi. yeah he's DJ putting, Utsi, but, he, the ice but, he's, but he's wet yeah. as hell that is a wet mummy yeah, wet yeah. The fuck. but didn't they dry him out when they no they have to keep him wet <laughs> they have to keep him <laughs> gotta keep him wet gotta keep him wet the entire time he's a wet boy he's, in, he's, he's in, like he's free in, willy you gotta he's, keep he's, he's in he's in a refrigerator in bolzano and they have to keep him at the right fucking temperature and humidity because he's very mm-hmm. wet mummy so so we go to the british museum uh right and and i'm encouraged because i see i see this sign out front that says uh mummies ancient rome the islamic world money jewelry african art Ancient Greeks, sculpture. World's most adventurous porn shop. Yeah. Medieval Europe, Asian porcelain, ancient Egypt, the British Museum at your fingertips. So there you have it. Right. Basically, they're they're signaling signaling that you can touch the mummy. Mummy touching is on the table. Mummy touching is on the table. But then as you walk in, it says, uh, help us preserve the collection by not touching any of the objects. 
Don't touch any of the mummies. Fake news, false advertising. Anyway, those mummies are behind glass and they're alarmed. And, uh, you know, you basically... Well, they would have been alarmed after you touched but them. You're basically yeah. doing the, the Eric Killmonger scene in the beginning of Black Panther where he's stealing the exhibits. But so you're like, I'm going to touch these fucking mummies. Yeah, right? I was going to say, I need like a Pink Panther style, like Inspector Clouseau. Uh, I need glass cutters, essentially. You're seeing like a, a silhouette of a sarcophagus giving an interview with an actor's voice talking about where Dan Beckner touched them. <laughs> 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 I uh, so I consider this first visit to the British Museum. I'm just casing the joint, as it were. But I will touch mm. those mummies. Finally, well, a yeah. mummy will be touched by you. Yeah. Well, Dan, this has been great. Uh, thank you this so much. This feels like it's our podcast. <laughs> letting, us, podcast. letting us interview you on your own podcast. <laughs> oh, I, n- I never, I never do the closing. You, thing. you know yeah. that the urge, the, been the, the urge the podcast yeah. takes over in a sense that like we just decided like no, we're we're running the show now. Actually, the podcast. Yeah. You know, in a way, this is the first episode of Mummy Touchers, and Riley's not here, okay. so he, he absconded. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't yeah. handle it. He doesn't believe in the vision. Oh, well, this, is, well, this, is, this has been Mummy Touchers. Uh, yeah, it has. Yeah, and uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, is this a free or a bonus? That's a great question. If it's a free episode, thank you for listening. Uh, we have a Patreon that is seven Canadian dollars a month. Well, that's all right. I. It is. It is. I know okay. that. As, all right, as all your right. editor, I can confirm and, it. Is, and, 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 and if this is a bonus episode, thank you so much thank for you. subscribing. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do more and more mummy and touching. And if you're wondering uh, how much you were paying us, that's how much. <laughs> we have determined it. And otherwise, thank you. And we will talk to you on Mummy Touchers soon. Go out there and touch a mummy. Touch those mummies. Mummy.